we on? Can you hear us loud and clear? Yeah, All right, three, two. What's going on, everybody? It's me, Asad Hashmali, back again with another episode of Behind the Grind. Uh, this time, we have a very special guest with us. Um, her name is Vladimira. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce your surname. I always hear this, but you're doing well. Yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> you did well with the first name. Okay. And uh, give it a try, give it a try um, with the surname. Briestinska. Briestinska. Very well. All right. You do well. Okay, great. Because I heard you say this in your own podcast, mm. and I was trying. I was constantly hearing that on repeat, but I just couldn't pick it up. But Brinstinska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, you are doing well. Yeah. yeah All right. Awesome. See. Okay. So we have Vladimir Brinstinska with us. <laughs> um, she is uh, super well-rounded. Uh, I found her on LinkedIn a couple of months ago, and then I started following her on Instagram, and I saw all the work that she's doing. Um, and what's amazing is that she's doing it out of Pakistan. Um, she has her own podcast called Naked by the Future Farm, which is all around entrepreneurship um, and emotional well-being for these founders. Did I get that right? Yes. Um, she's also the founder of Neem, which is a fintech company and has been in the scene for quite a while um, with multiple ventures and multiple avenues as well. And uh, she's got a track record of entrepreneurship and advisory for many uh, nonprofits, startups and organizations all around the world. Uh, and in the in her past life, what I picked up on was that you were working predominantly around organizational development and mm. inclusion in organizations. Yes, that's true. What have I missed out? What what <laughs> are you what are you really doing? Is this it, or is there more that's not available on LinkedIn? So, in terms of what I do, yeah. you covered most of it. Uh -huh. um, I also try to support sometimes through investments, other businesses, mm -hmm. especially women founders. Okay. That's sort of my sweet spot. Um, so, just recently, I'm going to promote her a little bit just yeah. because we have the chance. Yeah. I invest into a beautiful business that is promoting mental health in the Arab speaking countries. Uh -huh. It's called Noor. Okay. Um, so, that's a little bit of my passion. But very beyond good. that, it's uh, very much the future farm, very much so it's Pakistan building mm -hmm. businesses and in between trying to live a life and uh, yeah awesome. keep a little bit of a balance cool 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 so what were you what were you up to before moving to Pakistan what was life like what was life like um well so the my past to Pakistan mm-hmm was uh, not necessarily narrow. Like I didn't have it on a vision board, mm -hmm. as some people think when you're planning your sort of life and everything. But uh, I always knew that I wanted to be more present in uh, emerging markets. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done some work in East Africa and okay. um, it really connected with who I am. And I felt very much a great sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to work in a space of entrepreneurship and tech. I don't come from family of entrepreneurs, okay. neither have I studied it. So let's put that up front. Yeah, very much so. Um, I actually, frankly, had to use quite a lot of my elbows in terms of um, just, you know, I guess finding some acceptance and tolerance back home when I said mm -hmm. that I wanted to go um, study human rights and uh, journalism, which I did. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I started in the foreign policy space. So I went with a big vision mm -hmm. of, I guess, naively a little bit okay. of trying to change the world, as I think many of us are, you know, yeah, started yeah, yeah. with that in yeah. our young teens. Um, and I thought I will do it from a space of diplomacy and foreign policy. Okay. And so that brought me to Brussels, which is sort of a heart of foreign policy or European policy in Europe. Mm -hmm. 
it was a beautiful experience. But after a few years, I felt that I was one, too young mm -hmm. to really drive some real change. And second, I didn't have much experience of just seeing what's happening on the ground. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, the real problems for people, um, you're sort of building policy, but you don't really know what how, how it sort of impacts people on the ground. Mm -hmm. So that's when entrepreneurship kicked in in my life. And I was amazed by the by, by the spirit of the people, okay. of the hustling, right. of uh, of the fact that you could take it into your hand and say like, okay, this is the problem I'm going to solve yeah. for. I'm going to try. Yeah. And these these are the ways. And yeah, it was just very addictive. And you, so. I'm, it was that direct impact that you saw as a result of all the work that could go in. Yeah, I think that was one of the major elements that really made it for me. Okay. Um, because I remember coming back to Central Eastern Europe. So I mm -hmm. come originally from Slovakia. Okay. It's a small country, yeah. beautiful country, but we are, I say this every time, maybe I'll repeat, people in Pakistan, they laugh. They say it's uh, 5 million people in Slovakia. Uh -huh. They say it's like one Pakistani wedding. Okay. So, and I got <laughs> to learn that it's nearly true, frankly. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, so so the path sort of to entrepreneurship was very much, when I was in the foreign policy, you have impact, but mm -hmm. you also work with people of a different mindset. Mm -hmm. What you get in entrepreneurship, the people you surround yourself with, that mm -hmm. stamina of experimentation, of risking, of just hustling. We were just talking uh, before before we recorded about mm -hmm. it. And uh, I actually forgot the word in, in Urdu, but I think it was something. Jasba? No, no, no. I think it was Jugar, which yeah. I loved. And I thought that I think that's, actually what what mm. made it for me yeah. and 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 the scale of impact you can do uh, uh -huh. by building yeah. uh technology business specifically interesting okay mm. so then what what got you to pakistan so open mind okay. i would say uh again the passion for tech the impact through tech mm -hmm. um and then opportunity so okay. basically, as you said, um, before Pakistan, I was working in London. So I was mm -hmm. a little bit more sort of based in Western Europe. I was working with a lot of early stage tech founders, okay. especially around financial technology space. Okay. Again, never came from that. It wasn't like financial services were my passion, mm -hmm. but it turned out to be because I started digging deeper and I saw how much financial wellness, and we can talk more about it, mm -hmm. can really be an enabler for a m really big major change for yeah. somebody in life. Um, so being in London, working with those entrepreneurs, um, I've got a call from Nadim, who mm -hmm. is my business partner now at Neem, mm -hmm. and who is also my life partner. So mm -hmm. that's where it gets interesting. But when he called me, we were not life partners. And he said, hey, I'm going to Pakistan. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to work with the biggest mobile wallet in Pakistan, Just Cash. Mm -hmm. And the team would is sort of looking for some help in building culture and thinking about operating system, financial wellness, a thesis. And we've done a lot of work before. Uh -huh. At first, I was like, how can I come to Pakistan, do anything about co company culture? Yeah. It sounds like complete oxymoron, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, a white woman, know nothing about Pakistan. So, um, but then we talk it through. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was important for me to think about it differently, to come with a sort of a humble mind. I was a little bit afraid, uh -huh. not of Pakistan as a yeah. country. You know, I mean, there is a lot of bias around the country yeah, you yeah, come yeah. in. But there's a lot of unknowns as there's well about the entire so space. so much unknown. Yeah, yeah. And I think from 
that's where the fear comes from. Right. It's from the ambiguity, from the unknown, mm-hmm. right? And then you read few headlines. And that's not how I felt, yeah. but a lot of people around me. So when I said I'm going to Pakistan for a project, people were like, really? But they were sort of used to already from my work in Kenya and stuff. Oh, okay. But it was like every day you were sort of moving one chapter, you know, uh, sort of further ahead. Yeah. But that's not how I felt. Uh-huh. Um, I felt very curious. Uh-huh. Um, there was excitement, but there was a fear. Yeah. But the fear was coming not from the country itself. It was coming from, I guess, the responsibility of coming with okay. my white privilege uh-huh. to a company where I know very little about the culture and mm-hmm. I was supposed to share my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, in my first day, I met my counterpart, Fakhar, uh, who I, he might be listening. I'll tell him to listen. So hi, uh-huh. Fakhar. <laughs> and... Uh, he was very kind. We sit down and we basically build a partnership where mm-hmm. I told him, look, I have my experience that I gained over the years in different markets. Mm-hmm. You know your people. You know this market, this culture. Let's yeah. work together. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what ma- it made mm-hmm. it work. I loved it. Awesome. And this was about five years ago and I never looked back really. Wow. Yeah. I remember when you mentioned this story to me at your office when we first mm. met. At that time, I was just actually kind of amazed by that that's the approach you took because mm. you could have come and this often happens and i'm not just saying this is in pakistan but i'm sure even if a pakistani goes to another economy altogether they also might come from that same mindset that you know i know what i know mm. uh, and i'm speaking from a global perspective so listen to what i have to say and start implementing that but you took the more humble route and I, i'm sure you also found like a you said partnership yeah you found the middle ground to bridge the gap altogether yeah knowing that it can't be executed only by you Absolutely. But you could be part of the thought process and the ideation onto what has to get executed. Yeah, yeah. So there was a process to it, mm-hmm. but you said it beautifully. And and I think I learned from experience of others. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of reading up and listening up to stories of other people who were sort of in my shoes and how they, uh, they're, they've they been rejected mm-hmm. in similar circumstances when they came with this I-know-it-all approach. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just didn't feel right. So I didn't want to do it that way. And I think it was also driven a lot from a space of intuition and mm-hmm. just connected on a human level. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, as you said, like, okay, we have a common goal. Let's see how we can partner on mm-hmm. it together. And and I made a lot of friends ever since. And cool. we were still in touch. And it was, yeah, it was Sweet. quite beautiful. Sweet. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. So when you were moving here and when you started working with Jazz Cash as well, yeah. what, were, what were your initial observations uh, of... Because you were working with people and culture, like of the quality of, let's say, um, human resource or of mm. the entire infrastructure over here, the economy, the landscape. What were your initial observations like? So I think, you know, when I joined Jazz Cash, it, it is a bubble on its own, right? Yeah. And for a year, I sort of lived in the bubble, mm-hmm. although we tried to venture out and travel and see the country, because for me, that's very important is to start connecting with the reality, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but I was saying before that... I think only after that year when we left Jazz and started building Neem, that was the first time, I think, when I re- really saw what yeah. Pakistan has to offer in terms okay. of its um, talent and the uh, tech space. Uh-huh. But I think in my first, even the first few months, I was frankly quite amazed. Um, really? But it might be, I'm going to call it out, it might be uh-huh. that maybe I was coming a little bit with an unconscious bias uh-huh. of saying that I am coming to frontier markets. I don't know where the talent is. Yeah. But I think what amazed me was the hunger. Mm-hmm. Like people are really 
hungry for knowledge and mm-hmm. and i felt that the culture that we started building there and this is also to a lot of credit to nadim that as mm-hmm. a leader he brought that with him it was uh, we tried to create a safe space mm-hmm. open space and then uh, allow people to ask any questions allow people to experiment and you know all that sort mm-hmm, of what mm-hmm. we call it buzzwords yeah. i mean you read in the books about it but um I saw that when we started sort of bringing it in and um, celebrating it with people, they started really sort of, you know, getting into it. And and, mm-hmm. and that was beautiful to see. So I felt that on individual level, mm-hmm. uh, we were able to meet a lot of exciting people with a great potential. Um, maybe as a collective or organization, um, I think... I'm generally quite skeptical around corporate sector. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a lot of sort of space for improvement and it is it is a big machinery and big ship yeah. and it moves slow and all of this. Yeah. That was one of the reasons why after one year also we decided to build Neem and sort mm-hmm. of move away. Um, but I think my my sort of reaction, I mean, immediate reactions were very positive around, around the talent. Mm-hmm. And I think... One thing that is also that I found was different from, let's say, my experience in London or US, mm-hmm. building relationships and bonds with people, much easier, at least for me in Over Pakistan. Here? Yes. Wow. I mean, yeah, big time. Awesome. Uh, I feel like in London, you have to go through a lot of layers mm-hmm. of the person to really connect with them on a human level. Yeah. Here I felt that maybe there was one or two, but yeah. very quickly people took them, uh, yeah. put them away. Guards go down. Yeah, guards go down yeah. and you connect on that, you know, true le- true sort yeah. of level and as a, as a person to person. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it's beautiful to sort of, it's, it's, it's a great ground to build friendships on. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I really enjoy that. I mean, it's something that I really sort of cherish in my life, so. Interesting. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool, cool. So I'm gonna segue into Neem. Okay. So I'll how about you tell this. us a little bit about what Neem is? What's the story like? What are you guys doing? So the story actually started before we came to Pakistan okay. and we didn't know it. We, as I mentioned, we did some work in East Africa uh-huh. and uh, we did it around something we called financial wellness. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought it's just a different buzzword from financial inclusion. Mm-hmm. It well might be, uh-huh. but we gave it some value right. So and definition. So basically the financial inclusion was defined as giving people access to bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of people, that doesn't really impact their lives in a, in a positive right. way. I mean, it gives them some access, but they bring in money and take them out, don't stay within the system, don't mm-hmm. have a financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we thought about, okay, this cannot be it. I mean, this is not the necessarily the, the driver for change. Mm-hmm. For me, especially was important around women mm-hmm. uh, across the world because okay. the sort of financial literacy and financial wellness of women is really where we are lagging behind globally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started looking on what we call today financial wellness mm-hmm. and we defined it as our uh, ability to bring other financial services to people, the ability to take a loan when you need it, mm-hmm. ability to insure yourself against risks, mm-hmm. like let's say in COVID losing a job, but yeah. you still want to pay for fees for your child to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, but also ability to invest a small money that you have, fractional ownership. Mm-hmm. Now in Pakistan, it's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, there are some companies building yeah, fractional yeah. ownership for you know building a property. Mm-hmm. So all of this is actually what can create the wellness for an individual, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So 
did some work on this before coming mm-hmm. to Pakistan. Then we tried to implement a little bit of this uh, at Jazz Cash. I think partially we might have succeeded. And then because of all the reasons I mentioned, because it mm-hmm. was a corporate and sort of throw us out in a yeah. way, that's reality. Um, we met our third co-founder with okay. whom we connected spiritually. Okay. Uh, his name is Naim Zamindar. Uh-huh. Naim is a persona on the market. A lot of people know him. We didn't know him that well. Okay. But uh, yeah, very quickly we connected on the vision of bringing financial wellness to people in Pakistan. Okay. Um, he was a forward thinking. And uh, as I said, he was also a very spiritual being. Mm-hmm. So on the value base, we connected very well. Right. And we shook hands a few days after we left Jazz Cash with Nadim and Naim. And we said, okay, let's do it. Cool. That was the evolution to that uh-huh. story, but yeah, maybe cool. I'll pause just Very for cool. now. Very cool. So, so how are you implementing all of this now? So, how are you actually providing that access or wellness mm. to the underserved communities? Yeah, over yeah. Here? So there are different ways how you can do this, right? Mm-hmm. As with anything, the one thing that we learned in Africa and even in 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 uh, sort of environments that I come from, like Slovakia, in some ways still a very much developing, uh, underdeveloped market, Mm -hmm. but also in UK, although a lot of people don't think so. There are a lot of people who don't have access to financial services. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we learned on those markets is that the trust Mm -hmm. of people towards the financial services institution is the key element that, mm-hmm. that makes it or breaks it. Yeah. And so when you come as a new player yeah. in market like Pakistan, yes, you can be known as a persona, your name, but if you're trying to impact the lives of uh, Kriana store owners or mm-hmm. farmers in KP mm-hmm. or women, you know, artisans uh, up in Hunza, mm-hmm. they have no idea who you are, right? Yeah. I mean, they see some white woman. Why would I ever trust? Yeah. It's, it's completely and they disconnected. Don't really care. And they don't really care. Yeah. Exactly. So that was our challenge. Mm-hmm. And so then what we thought is that our way to to ad- impact those individuals is to already find what we call communities okay. that already have a relationship and trust build with those people. Mm-hmm. So as an example, there is a major agri tech company out of Islamabad that mm-hmm. already is serving about 60 million farmers across Pakistan. Wow. They provide them advisory services about whether, how to mm-hmm. take care of the crops, livestock, etc. Yeah. And so what we thought is, instead of Neem going and meeting the farmers and trying to build a trust, and as you said, they don't care about what Neem is unless you have really something to offer. We said, why don't we leverage the trust that this company already has built with those farmers Mm -hmm. and we provide our financial services through this company. Mm. So that's how Neem sort of approaches our, or how we approach our financial wellness. So for the past two years, really, Mm -hmm. we have been building those, deep loyal relationships with those communities across agriculture um the micro sme space yeah. right i mean it's huge the informal yeah. economy around kriana store owners yeah. um with some women communities uh that are heavily underserved right. and what we are doing is that we are sort of I don't want to go too technical, but we have a, Feel free. let's say, a <laughs> yeah. financial technologies platform, tech platform. Uh-huh. Uh, and in the fintech terminology, it's called embedded finance. Uh-huh. So the embedded integrates, right? Yeah. We integrate the financial services like 
payment solution, lending, ability to insure your crop against the bad weather, mm-hmm. we embedded through those existing communities mm-hmm. and then they provide it to their end customers. Mm, so okay. it's a little bit differentiated. Yeah. We have a high hopes that uh, this is one of the ways to really get to the end users mm-hmm. and, and leverage somebody else's work and trust the people mm-hmm. who are have been on the market and yeah. uh, have been really nurturing those relationships. Okay, so what are, are there any kind of regulatory restrictions to actually execute this or that sure. you're facing right now? Sure, so you have to have regulation. I uh-huh. mean, there are different, different ways of licenses that you need. Uh-huh. Um, maybe some of the listeners, you, you will know that there is the, now a pretty big buzz around the digital banking license. A lot mm-hmm. of players are applying for it. Yeah. We have a different route. Mm-hmm. Um, the reasons being if that, you know, it takes you about three years from the moment you get the license to actually be live and start sort of uh, impacting mm-hmm. the real masses and scale of customers. Um, we have two other licenses. One is uh, partnerships with existing banks that already okay. gives us some capability. And then for us to be able to provide some lending, we have another license that is related to stock exchange. Uh, so this is kind of so like SCCP. what Finja did. They piggybacked A little off bit. Finca. Yes. Okay. Yes. In the model, very much okay. so. Uh, we like Finja very much. I mm-hmm. mean, we think it's they're brilliant entrepreneurs, uh, really sort of soulful yeah. people. Uh, we have similar model. The difference is that, for instance, for the lending, so they're providing lending to a lot of Kriana store owners. Mm-hmm. They really hustle it. They go on the market. They they have their sales force. Mm-hmm. We go through the community sort of okay. uh, model where we partner with companies like OneLoat mm-hmm. that is already serving or has a network of about 35,000 uh, Kriana store retailers. Okay. And we plug it through OneLoat or Digicata or retail, uh, Retailo and many other new players. Okay. So that's that's our way. And these other existing startups like completely cool with partnering up and collaborating it's a little bit of it depends it's a little bit of evangelization that uh-huh. you have to do and rightly so i think for them uh the the important moment is to understand what is the value for them yeah. as a company and for the end user mm-hmm. because i believe like today every company wants to be a fintech company mm-hmm. so yes that whilst that is true there are different ways how you get there yeah. uh, you don't necessarily always have to build that financial services capability with Within your own company, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very different business to build. Yeah. So we are putting on the table very much the partnership collaboration model. Um, if you look globally in mm-hmm. Southeast Asia, in Africa, in LATAM, mm-hmm. there are a lot of similar models yeah. and those partnership work. Mm-hmm. Those companies are valued high. Not yeah. that valuation is something we hunt for, to be honest. Uh-huh. I think there is a little bit of buzz around yeah. us these days. <laughs> yes, but, I get that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, there is a tracker core that going the route of partnership and revenue shares and mm-hmm. um, sort of leveraging each other is a, is a very sort of nurturing way to go forward. Okay, interesting. Very cool. So I'm gonna um, now I'm gonna segue into the podcasting life. Okay. Tell me about uh, Naked. What is it? How did that start? Okay, so first of all, I, I'm really enjoying this, and I okay. t- told you this before we started recording because I have a respect to s- fellow podcasters. Uh-huh. Uh, we started Naked Podcast, I think, about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite bad with timings, but I think it's two years. And frankly, it came from personal experience and also okay. observations. Again, 
as I, as I mentioned, worked, I worked a lot with entrepreneurs, whether I supported them or I was sort of co-founder, so had sort of personal experience. And the one thing I saw is that we focused heavily on supporting entrepreneurs through that business building experience. Mm -hmm. So like you guys at Backstage and you're mm -hmm. a few other businesses, if you join Accelerator mm -hmm. or you get investment from an investor, most of the conversation will be around building the business, your KPIs, your financials, mm -hmm. building the team. Very little of any conversation mm -hmm. is about how are you doing? Yeah. As Asad, how are you doing as a human being? How mm -hmm. are you navigating this roller coaster mm -hmm. of very little of sleep, yeah. of pressure, yeah. of sort of showing up for your investors, for your team, for your family, yeah. um, for your co-founders, for your peers. The yeah. list is long. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the conversation is very minimal. Yeah. So when or it's yeah not just minimal from the outside world but then also internally it's just like not happening mm. i would say as well like sorry i'm cutting you off no 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 but you are very right like at, at, at backspace what nagin and i do is that like we have we've always had that kind of um trust with one another to make sure that there's that support system going on previously i was the operator uh, now the roles have changed, but then at mm. Alt, Bilal and I are also just making sure that we're keeping tabs on one another. But sometimes we forget to have the conversation as well. Yeah, that's, but that's, that's okay, right? Yeah. I mean, don't don't pressure yourself for yeah. not being perfect. But yeah. uh, I think that's beautiful, and you should nurture it. Mm -hmm. That would be my one reaction. And the other is that um, when we started Future Farm, which is sort of the organization that produces Naked Podcast, okay. um, with Nectarius and Nadim again we just looked around and we felt that one, there was very little of conversation. Mm -hmm. Second, every magazine you read online or took in your hands had this headline, which was about success and raising this type of funding and unicorn and how hustling it and not sleeping is the way. Yeah. And we saw the reality and the reality is very different. It's yeah. not the way. I mean, if you follow this way, then uh, you're going to burn out very quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you read on some of the research, it's not only around burnout. Uh, it's good that you are hydrating yourself because that's part of it. But there are some really disturbing statistics around uh, suicides of founders. And yeah. we talk very little about them. So we said, okay, very important. Let's start doing something. And mm -hmm. we started from a place of building awareness. And that's why Naked uh, sort of was born. Uh, it's a place of conversation, safe space. We bring entrepreneurs and investors from really anywhere in the world. And the conversation is very little, if if at all, about business. Mm -hmm. It's about them, mm -hmm. the experience they are going through or went through, mm -hmm. uh, and talking about the emotional struggles, mm -hmm. how they navigated it. A lot of them, a lot of the people we talked to on Naked were still within the dip, mm -hmm. which was pretty fragile mm -hmm. and uh, so hence when I told you that sometimes it's emotionally exhausting to record mm -hmm. those conversations is very true because you give a lot of you're there you're present with the person mm -hmm. um, to some level it feels like a small therapy for yeah. us and sometimes for the guest yeah. so but we believe it's very very important and mm -hmm. um, people do reach back and and say it's 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 important i never really talked about this before and yeah. it was a cleansing experience and mm -hmm. so yeah that was that was the why wow so you know when i started behind the grind my initial 
tagline spiel whatever you want to call it was that you know it's, uh, it's where we sit with people uh, with people whose story i admire people whose grind i admire mm. people who are um just trying to do cool shit on a regular basis that mm. was the exact Got uh, it. phrase <laughs> and then when people would come on i can totally understand about why it's emotionally draining and about because it has been had oftentimes conversations do end up becoming a bit about like a, a bit of a therapy session yeah or they end up really exposing themselves as to why they ended up working so hard also mm. to achieve what they wanted to achieve mm. um and in all disciplines this is that i what i find very interesting is that regardless of which niche you're in what vertical you're in whatever you do uh there's always a similarity to be drawn as well mm. and yeah yeah and this actually goes into my next question is that from your experiences have you seen organizations or or i would hope so but mm-hmm. have you seen organizations value this sentiment and actually provide some kind of coaching or provide some kind of mentorship for the leaders of that business or create some kind of conversation internally to make sure that you know there's something going on like yeah. thrive global for example yeah. i'm sure you've heard of yeah. um i i i know that thrive has you know so many products around that for the entire team but then oftentimes leadership is I feel like good leadership will end up taking the brunt of what mm. the team has to end mm. up facing in the first mm. place. Mm. So have you seen any programs that are in place? Yeah, just on the, the on the leadership, right? I mean, there is a book I think Simon Sinek wrote is that the leader eats the last. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of truth to it, but it's in in many ways yeah. it's also disturbing and harmful. Mm-hmm. Uh because that's one of the issues that you deprioritize yourself so much yeah. as a founder of the company, mm-hmm. both on the I think primarily on the financial level but also I mean the financial compensation right founders often are especially of startups are paid let's say after 3 years yeah. I think there was even a statistics that um I think a majority of early stage founders live mm-hmm. and this is quite sort of dramatic under the level of poverty for the 3 years of starting their business and that means all kinds of things mm-hmm. uh and I've heard quite horrific stories of how people sort of hustled or survived through those first yeah. three years but yeah so sorry but that was a derail mm. but coming to your question um do organizations value do they do something meaningful i think we are certainly seeing a shift mm-hmm. covid has helped a lot okay and the reason being especially when it comes to the employees well-being and mental health because uh frankly just a lot of people struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh the numbers of mental health challenges across the employee space has grown massively through covid. Mm-hmm. Uh so if you want to create a nurturing environment you just have to address it. So it was mm-hmm. sort of a yeah. must do exercise for a yeah. lot of companies. Are a lot of those interventions authentic and genuine and effective? Questionable. Mm-hmm. So the place where it come like why people are doing it mm-hmm. is equal questionable to whether it's a ticking box exercise or there is some real impact. Mm-hmm. Um that's on the side of the employees. Mm-hmm. On the side of the founders and the leadership, I think it's even less so. Mm-hmm. Um again, it comes from a place of just, you know, if you prioritize the team and the business and the the customer and you will somehow push through. Mhm. We are now exploring collaborations with investors because they're a big part of the problem for founders and their mental health. Okay. Um 
we are in conversations with beautiful group of investors really globally from New Zealand, Hong Kong, some in Pakistan, US, let's try to name it. Um, it's great to see that there are some, they're genuinely now trying to learn what are the ways I can support my portfolio founders. And that's by, can I pay for some of their mentoring, therapy, coaching? Wow. Uh, can we create those safe space peer groups so they can talk? So that's there. At the same time, we get a lot of people saying like, not my responsibility whatsoever as an investor. Mm -hmm. This is your personal stuff. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, I don't believe that's that's so. Mm -hmm. I think we are all part of a bigger system and we all have to take part of responsibility. So mm -hmm. I think still a big, big push that we have to do. Mm -hmm. I think it's great that even today we are talking about it because yeah. that's part of the awareness raising yeah, and destigmatizing. Yeah. Um, I was very excited having a Pakistani woman founder on on Naked, mm -hmm. uh, Fatima Mazar from mm -hmm. uh, Collapse. Mm -hmm. She was very genuine, very authentic, very mm -hmm. vulnerable, uh, and there was a lot of good feedback around it. So even you know in places where it still feels heavily stigmatized and tabooed, uh, I think it's about the time that we start breaking it and mm -hmm. and leading by storytelling. I mm -hmm. think it's a beautiful way to go. So in companies, you can also create those safe spaces, maybe mm -hmm. conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is really giving me some flashbacks as to what we all faced during COVID at Backspace, mm. at least, because we tried really hard. We worked really hard to make sure that everyone could just be free, be vulnerable as well um, and open. But good to know that you're working with investors as well to change the conversation yeah, for founders, too. Um, but uh a little bit deeper into leadership and entrepreneurship. Mm. Are there any similarities that you've seen? Or like, what 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 are your observations on uh, Pakistani leaders and entrepreneurs versus uh, those that you've ex that you've seen in the West? Like, even if it's just London itself. Got it. I've been asked this question before, mm -hmm. um, and I think my answer hasn't changed, which is that I see more similarities than differences. Okay. That's for first, um, especially. I think it might be also my experience working in different e sort of e tech entrepreneurial ecosystems at the stage of when they were very nascent. Mm -hmm. So if I'm even thinking back in Central Eastern Europe, uh, so I was part of it when it was really just blooming. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me Pakistan now at this day so much. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of hunger, a lot of this uh, drive, um, people were sort of jumping ships and, you know, entrepreneurship became an option for graduates to do something afterward. It wasn't anymore the KPMG's, EY's of yeah, these yeah. Royal McKinsey's, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was a wave. That was the thing you wanted to do. Yeah. And now there is this whole hype around join the startup ecosystem. Think about, yeah. uh, you know, being part of the entrepreneurship, which I think is beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, not that one is better than the other, but I think there it's it's awesome that we have optionality. Um, so I see a lot of that excitement. I saw it in different markets. Mm -hmm. um, I think the one thing, but I already told you this, is the openness mm -hmm. and 
maybe a little bit more of scrappy. We're coming back to the same a- a- a sort of essence ethos yeah, yeah. is that I find Pakistani entrepreneurs really sort of hustlers from it's a street smarts. Yeah. Um, although I met a lot of people who have all the, you know, big universities, big titles. But uh-huh. just two days ago, we had an awesome interview with somebody who has a local Pakistan university. It's not one of the top universities in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And he was so beautifully confident when talking to us by saying, I joined this space and I love it because nobody asks me really about my university. They ask me about my approach, about my experience, about yeah. my attitude. And and I love that. So I see, I think, a little bit more of it here uh-huh. than in the West. I still feel like in the West... Um, your titles and status in some way matters a little bit more, even right. in the, within the startup ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, the relationships and how you, I think it's still a, it's still quite a small ecosystem in Pakistan. Yeah. So we all know each other in a way, yeah. um, which is a good and bad thing at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's different, again, from a mature ecosystem in London, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, although you might know people in fintech in London, in the wider space, it takes you a little more time and maybe you have to send 10 LinkedIn messages to connect to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, here it feels that the... It's more organic. Closeness, the proximity, yeah. it's two layers, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I love that. So yeah. I think we should in some way keep that. Interesting. Yeah. And so many years ago, someone gave me some advice, unsolicited, mm. that, uh, you know, you should consider finding a job abroad um, and then come back and see uh, what it's like working in Pakistan. And if you want to go the entrepreneurial route, then you might have like a, a chip on your shoulder. You'll be a notch above everyone else. Do you think that applies? Does that make sense to you? I, I always tell to people, if you have the opportunity and privilege to travel, go. Mm-hmm. See the world, see other places, meet other cultures, learn more about yourself. I think that's probably the reason to go, mm-hmm. is that through these experiences, you just explore more who you are, and then you are probably a little bit more grounded, mm-hmm. and you're wise of why you are doing things in life and what motivates you. It's a little bit more sharp and clear. Okay. So I would certainly back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, is it for the reasons you mentioned? I'm not sure. But in um, terms of skill development, do you mm-hmm. think that would help? Might, but I think it's changing because I think the opportunities... It, to be completely honest, I think it was... I would give you a different answer two years ago from okay. what I've seen in Pakistan to what I see today. Okay. So I see talent that has and then we work with them that have not gone anywhere in the world didn't go outside and the skills are similar to the level of what i've sort of experienced in london and Mm -hmm. it's for the for i think for the reason that now you have second third generation of entrepreneurs from those mafia circles right as we call them around kareem and airlift and uh, bikea and all of it uh the pioneers really daraz um and they've created opportunity for other startups to emerge Mm -hmm. so for a lot of those people the learning with those companies and building the skills while observing while learning with your leader i mean without hierarchy i think Mm. it's a pretty great opportunity so Mm -hmm. i wouldn't necessarily like exchange it straight away for Mm -hmm. the ways to go outside and then come back to Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you can actually learn a lot here right now Mm -hmm. um, with the ecosystem, within the ecosystem and uh, build something within. Mm -hmm. But yes, do go out, do travel, do meet other people if you have Mm -hmm. the chance uh, for other reasons, maybe. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
Cool, cool. So I have a question for you, which actually wasn't in the list that I okay. shared, but you mentioned that you you invest in businesses and early stage startups. Um, what's what's that like for you? What are you looking for? What how do you approach uh, investment at an early stage? Yeah. Personally, how do yeah, you approach yeah. it? Yeah. So I only invested into one startup. Okay. That's the truth. Okay. I have been part of angel investing okay. uh, where it was also together with Nadim and stuff. So I was learning and observing. And mm-hmm. then I did one on my own, which I'm very proud of. Nice. Uh, but so, so I'll answer from, you know, from that yeah. place of truth and uh, that level of experience. So um, when I decided to invest to Noor, so what was important, Noor is the name of the business. Yeah. Um, what was important for me is that, so at once the reference to this business came from another fellow angel investor Mm -hmm. she was a woman i know her track record so that played a role for me so that already gave me sort of a trust or or established one level of trust and then i met the founder Mm -hmm. uh it was important for me personally as vladimira is that it was a woman founder Mm -hmm. um she told me about her why Mm -hmm. the why you are building this business is very crucial for me because I know that your intrinsic motivation mm-hmm. will sustain you when the, I can't swear here, but the Feel free if you like. hard stuff yeah. kicks in. <laughs> yeah. That's, it will be your why. Yeah. That will be your compass, yeah. right? Um, and so if, I'm not saying you have, you have to have a lived experience of that problem it might be also that you saw it in your close surrounding family and that mm-hmm. was the case for shahira the founder of noor mm-hmm. um so i could authentically connect with her why mm-hmm. then she told me about the vision how is it different from other competitors in the market i found it very pioneering mm-hmm. but still quite grounded in uh, numbers and uh, sort of facts yeah. she was quite clear about what needs to happen in terms of the roadmap mm-hmm. uh, how much she needs to raise funding because it's a venture-backed business mm-hmm. uh, and frankly took uh, i think two com- calls and uh, exchange with an emails it was very quick wow. so i think to be honest as an angel investor mm-hmm. at an early stage i think we should be a little bit more less risk averse and a little bit more bold and okay. kick-ass and the reason for it is that if there are people out there who are trying some pioneering thing mm-hmm. and you really love them as founders, you think, you know, they, them as individuals have a lot of potential, even if this doesn't work, they will find a way. Mm-hmm. Um, the why resonates with you, then mm-hmm. go for it. I mean, those are not huge checks. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it would be fair from my side to uh-huh. ask for a deep due diligence yeah. and bother them with this. I think mm-hmm. uh, when as they grow on the journey, that might change. Yeah. Uh, but that I don't think that's the place for an angel mm-hmm. investor. I think it's more yeah. of a soul's fit and yeah. uh, and and a belief. Mm-hmm. Because if not, if not us, then who? Yeah. So that's and I think that my... that's the key. Right? You don't just want to use the title of an angel investor no. for the sake of it. You actually also have to believe it, internalize it, and move forward with that yeah. approach from the yeah. get go. Being the angel, yeah. If you actually Be look the back, angel like itself, where yeah. it comes from, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess so. There is a reason for it. Cool, cool. Yeah. So I have one last question for you. Okay. And this is something I ask everyone. If you could go back in time and meet your younger self, what would you say to her? So you did send me this question. So I did yes. think about it a little bit. Um, I would say just don't take yourself too seriously. Okay. That would be one for sure. All right. Um, I think it's related also to just don't rush through experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, don't try to build up a resume. Mm-hmm. It's 
you know, it's, it, I mean, your path has its own pace. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the experience when you have it. Yeah. Uh, don't always look for the new thing on the horizon. Uh, because it might just very easily sort of, you know, get through your fingers and mm-hmm. you will not even sort of feel it and yeah. um, be really within it. So mm-hmm. that's for sure. Um, keep nurturing your friendships and community. That's a big one. Okay. I think double down on it. Uh, because at the end of the day, I mean, that's what's going to stay with you. Those are, you know, the people, yep. the relationships. That's, that's the first really... time I've heard that, by the way. Really? Yeah, yeah. nobody's actually ever said that. Yeah. I think, you know, really, that's that's what sort of gets us going in the moment of uh, hardship, right? I mm-hmm. mean, the, the fact that I, I'm as a founder, maybe, I have a hard moment, but uh, I know that I have few people who I can call anytime, and they don't have to be my family necessarily. They can be my uh, created family, so my friends and uh, people I, I love. Um, so, yeah, I think those would be few. And maybe a last one is that, um, you have nothing to prove to anybody. Mm-hmm. So don't do decisions in your life because they're driven by the wants of your parents mm-hmm. uh, or the FOMO on the market. Mm-hmm. You have nothing to prove. Just mm-hmm. get to know yourself a little better and uh, yeah, keep investing into yourself as well, into who you are. Great answer. Well, I don't know I if they it. are great, but they are mine. So. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And super valuable. I think this this was a great conversation overall. Likewise, I, I really enjoyed fun. it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. As oh, I told you, I was very excited. And uh, my whole team knows that I'm here and they're yeah. very excited equally. Yeah, awesome. so. I was ex- I was hoping that you'd bring someone. With oh, really? Me, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell them. Uh, that's why we maybe set up time. like an extra chair on the side as well. Oh, that's someone sweet. Wants, yeah. Okay, well, but don't tell me now. I will feel feel bad, but okay, maybe next time. Next time, yeah. yeah when yeah. we invite you to Naked, maybe we yeah, can I'd be down. we can see, yeah, yeah and then for we'll sure. make a bigger gathering. Awesome! But awesome. thanks for having me. It My was pleasure. A Thank great you for pleasure. coming on uh, once again. Uh, that was Vladimira from Neem. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with her, you could reach out to her. I'm hoping um, for sure. And uh, have a watch or a listen t- uh, to her podcast, Naked by Future Farm. Thank you for listening and watching. See you in the next one. Bye-bye.